And, you know, it's, I mean, for Fritz, he gets to the point where he's so disillusioned with school that he inadvertently burns the entire school down. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so it's like, that's, I mean, that is kind of a metaphor, but I also think that it's, Fritz represents people who, if they don't put in the work in education and their education it could be lacking, they're more susceptible to falling for movements. They're more susceptible yes. to following people who aren't as smart as they are, but they they end up following these people and they follow them down bad paths. And we're going to see him do that here in a little bit. Like he's going to, you know, he's literally burned books and then he's going to hang out with drug-addled Nazis. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the story of QAnon. But, you know, I mean, we should probably just keep <laughs> yeah, that going. Was, that was a, yeah, that was a, that was a great little part of the discussion either way, because I think, like, the fact that we can branch off into these areas from this, like, you know, very dirty, like, silly cartoon from 50 years ago shows you that this these films do have satirical value. They can bring about conversations that are healthy, even if maybe some of the choices in, in them aren't as healthy as we'd like them to be. Like, right. That's right. part of the reason why I'm so happy to do this. Um, but yeah, Fritz and, uh, Fritz and Duke are driving around in this car and like, they end up like picking up one of these cops and they, they shake the cop off. Like the cop almost kills Duke there. So that's the second time Duke has almost been killed, which is a good use of repetition on Bakshi's part because it shows like, <laughs> like Duke in an emotional state and it makes us feel a form of emotion for Duke again. You know, like we have another form of emotion tying us to Duke again. Like he's, he's been actively like threatened the whole time he's been around Fritz and he's still seeing the better side of Fritz, like even through all that, that somehow. <laughs> yeah um, there's a pretty funny little scene where the cop uh, uh like falls off the car and he busts through like a church window and he starts shooting at fritz and he's somehow lost his pants like in this and he's got like his l- little like like cop pig dick like hanging out <laughs> and like it's like a church of uh, black crows and they're all like sitting there like laughing at him you know over it and he, he doesn't even realize what's happened for a minute and i think this is like one of the better elements of racial humor to have like this whole church of like crows laughing at this <laughs> cop that busts through the window half naked um <laughs> It's still pretty you know, base and puerile, but you know that's part of the film, <laughs> and it fits in tonally with the film at least. And um, it it puts the target on the cop, like the target of the joke is the cop. The the right. black characters in the film get to have a laugh at the cop, and that feels good on a narrative level when we're taking in like all the stuff in this film. Right. Yeah, Fritz. Uh, Fritz's reckless driving leads them to going up the Brooklyn Bridge, and they are hanging off the uh, side of that after he like wrecks the car. And Duke has saved him. Like they are like at the very top of one of these giant pillars, and Duke has saved him. And, Again. <laughs> course, Again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they changed this part from the comics because Duke originally flew off with Fritz and, you know, saved his life by flying to save him, whereas Duke just basically grabbed onto him and was lucky. And he was able to keep a hold of him. You know, he almost died. Like, both of them almost died. And uh, <laughs> they kind of move on from the scene and head to wherever Duke's friend is at in Harlem. And this leads to a scene where we have a uh, older, probably, I'm thinking older, middle-aged uh, couple of people that are talking about the Harlem of the past. And uh, they say some pretty pretty racially interesting things on a social level like the 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 woman talks about how like she wishes things were like the old days before the civil rights movement and all this stuff when all this white money was coming into harlem and things like that and i think that's a pretty intriguing like form of history to express through this character on bakshi's part you could definitely say that he's putting in a biased moment, you know, like maybe he's viewing black people as being cynical of their own. Like, and a lot of people would say that maybe he doesn't have the right to say that because he's, you know, not black and he doesn't (laughs) get to like 
but either way, it's still there, and the fact that he wants to point that out probably shows a reality that maybe some black people were living, you know, that maybe some black people were cynical of how the civil rights movement had played out, and that maybe they had felt that, like things were better beforehand, which I... I don't know a whole lot of black people that would probably say that today. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I think like the whole like black population is cynical of the civil rights movement, but I do know some black people who are cynical about how those things played out. It's a reality for some people, even if we don't like to say it. You know, um, yeah. And uh, what were you gonna say, Chuck? Well, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think in this section especially. Uh, because we're are we getting to the point where Fritz gets on top of the car or whatever? And, yeah, we'll be. Yeah. And and you hear a guy at that point say, "Get the fuck off my car, man!" You know, like there's definitely something in here about people who have these weird ideals, like Fritz, or these yeah. weird misconceptions that he lionizes his ideals, and then you have the day to day, you know, and so. Maybe, maybe this character is cynical about the civil rights movement or about because, you know, the, the money's gone and the thing that yeah. they need to survive. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of even a lot of like not to go into the weeds too far, but it's even like a lot of political fights now. It's just like, what, yeah. what are you are you going to help people out on the day to day or not? That's ultimately yeah. what it is. And people don't give a shit about movements if those movements don't translate to something that helps their them survive you know yeah and i feel like that it is in a way kind of a it's a bold move to have this character saying those things you know yeah but it's also it's also kind of like it's giving a lot of credit to the audience which Sometimes I don't know how much credit you should give the audience. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a, I think as a career, as like if as a filmmaker or, or, um, a, a showmaker or showrunner, that seems like it would be a tightrope you have to walk. Like how much do you right. give the audience, you know, because you don't want to give them so much that they think that you agree with that or that's your view of it. Yeah. You want the character to speak for it, but it's a tough line to walk. And I'm, I, you know, sometimes I think Bakshi walks that line very successfully in this movie. And sometimes I think he just doesn't. And I think it's because like Lisa was saying earlier, like because of the time and what yeah. was acceptable, he had a wider net, a wider safety net than he would have if he made this movie yeah. tomorrow, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, um, it definitely should be noted that critics of the time were, fairly positive like even if they thought it was a mess like i think they generally understood that the targets were white liberal you know assholes that were right. you know taking advantage of their privilege and i you know it wasn't up until the the third film you know with the racial slur that people really got up in arms and there's a good argument that maybe even the protests behind that were exaggerated as a ploy for al sharpton because if you look at it historically it it was like a <laughs> it was a thing he could use to rile up publicity against Bakshi, you know for his own like benefit too at the same because he yeah. like muscled in on Bakshi later on and like made him fire he's like Bakshi says he made him fire all his uh animators but there's also a racial level you could play where Bakshi might like be telling an exaggerated tale because he feels like singled out, but there's no way to know that, unfortunately, like at this point in time. Yeah. But you you are you are totally right about people not giving shit about these movements if it doesn't affect their day to day. Earlier in the film, that character you believe might have been Angela Davis, she says at one point, you know, all I'm saying is you got to have the money before you become a revolutionary. And when yeah. they say that they're totally right, you know, then True. you can talk about being a revolutionary. They're totally fucking right. Because yeah. guess what? You don't, you don't have a, even artistic revolutions. Even this fucking thing took money. You know, this yeah. thing took almost a million dollars to make. And by its standards, it was like the rawest animated film ever made, but it, like it still took a million dollars to make this fucking thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Can't yeah. imagine. Uh, 
Yeah, um, they uh, they they like have this heavily like sexual sexualized. Uh, they have this heavy sexualization going on with the uh, black female character, who I think is named Rosetta, or maybe she's named Lenore. But actually, I think that's the name of the actor, yeah. Rosetta Lenore. From, uh, yeah, from from Family, family Matters. Matters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <okay. laughs> Which, wow. Yeah, isn't that fucking wild, you yeah. know? <laughs> Great. Yeah, I was Family like, I know that voice. voice. And, and when I looked it up, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, she plays a couple other voices throughout the film, mm-hmm. but this is her main speaking role in the film. And uh, she does an excellent job, like, awesome actress and beautiful character with a lot of moxie, you know, that's respectable, uh, especially given the material that she has to deal with. You know, it's, I like the fact that she powers through this character and makes this character have as much personality as she does within the time frame. But she, she basically hatches this little plan to get, you know, Fritz stone. So that way she can sell him a bunch of weak. She thinks, Oh, he's this real, you know, powerful white liberal kid. You know, we haven't had any white guys hanging around for a minute. <laughs> and it's like, a, it's a, it's, it's definitely a little offensive. Um, but Fritz, like, he gets real high and he like reverts to an animalistic state where he starts like chasing her around and kind of teasing her. And this, this involves into an extended like sex scene. It's, it's definitely a little gratuitous. Um, I don't, I think the animation work is good, but I don't take a whole lot of humor in the like body humor they do throughout it. You know, they, they like, they they definitely go like very Looney tunes with the sexuality in this moment. And I, I think it's like it's a I think it's a racial bias too, is that to like make the sexuality of this moment like very cartoony, whereas the sexuality of the moment where Fritz is with the other three females in his buddy's house, bathtub, it, it it's a lot more together. It's not quite as Looney Tunes in that moment. Like they're having more pleasure in that moment than Rosetta is here <laughs> in this yeah. moment. You know, but she concedes yeah. eventually which you can you, you can definitely have a big argument about consent, you know, like Fritz. Fritz is not one on consent. And, you know, people are still having this consent discussion even today about like what constitutes consent. Even if you know we've got a pretty good medical idea of what consent is, you know, people are still having problems with it. And the like lack of proper teaching of consent in schools is still leading to pro- problems with this. You know, the, yeah. the, the problems parents have about teaching consent and sexuality to children. And I think <laughs> this also plays into the idea that Fritz maybe has like bad family experiences or he doesn't have a family at all to really learn from and that maybe he's on his own. They don't ever mention his family one bit this whole time. Well, yeah. he, he does actually they do mention his family, but it's still only in brief. Like it's still so like in passing you have no clue of who they are or whatever they do. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, Fritz ends up having this epiphany, like right as he's right as he's about to orgasm, and it, it, he runs out into the Harlem streets, like trying to talk about the revolution, you know, about how the bosses are keeping us down, and how the bosses keep black people down, they keep everyone down, and yada yada yada, you know, it's real base socialist horseshit, you know, like I'm not trying to say everything about socialism is horseshit, I'm just saying this is the broad, like, idea <laughs> that white liberals you know, spout about to get attention without actually doing anything <laughs> right. with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about like the the politics of that scene, Lisa? So for that for that part in my notes, um, I have he means well probably, but poor execution. He doesn't think things through, and he gets caught up. Yeah, and it's just you know he just he has an idea and he runs with it, and like to hell be the consequences. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, really. that could be like his, his 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 like character description. He means well, probably, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you never know, you know. Yeah, he always slinks off when everything gets like real messy. So I often think, you know, I often think, yeah, I think he's like, oh, <laughs> go ahead, please. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like you know he gets a little experience with something, 
And in this case, it's, you know, with her. And right away, he thinks, well, that's it. You know, that was it. All I needed was three minutes of <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. Fired. And now I know everything about this subject. And he's too bullheaded to even realize is uh, immature. And, you know, probably you can think of a, a whole slew of words. But to realize that he is not. He still just doesn't know shit about anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That did. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about his little speech on top of the car was I was thinking to myself, um, I heard somebody, I forget, there's somebody who on their podcast, one of the things they say is big if true, you know, that's, that sounds really great what you're saying, Fritz, if any of it meant yeah. anything to you, you know, like if right. it were just kind of a shallow thing to get people to gather around mm -hmm. him, you know, because what does he do as soon as everything gets hot? He get he goes into the alley, and one of the Black Panther stand-in crows takes a shot, takes a few shots at him, and I'm just like, yeah, get that cat, you know. But then he says, like, what we shall overcome, or or something like yeah. that, before slinking away. And yeah. again, it's like now, I mean, you know, not to bury the lead, but like here is where Duke dies, and it's yeah. like. Now he's not only leaving Duke, he's leaving an entire neighborhood right. to clean up this mess that he's made. Right. And the the law enforcement's quote unquote cleanup involves jets being cheered on by Disney characters, you know? Yeah. And it's like, fuck, like, what else can this guy do? At this point, I'm thinking, where does this movie go? Because this guy is just fucked up an entire neighborhood. You yeah, know. there's also yeah, there's also a slight moment where the cops are reintroduced and Fritz like puts so much of the blame on them that the riot starts from that and they go after the police like and um in this moment the the crows are heavily stereotyped. There's um there's not a whole lot of explanation for why the crows become like so angrily stereotyped in this scene. I think the intention is that we're supposed to be seeing it from the cops' point of view. Um, there's a there is a humanizing moment here, and it maybe doesn't play as well as it should, but it's still there nonetheless, and should be acknowledged. When the cops are being like <laughs> crowded in on, one of them like just looks out and sincerely says, "Would you like to see a photo of my kids?" and the fact that Bakshi had this like cop do that, like had to bring out this personal element in there, it almost makes you feel empathy for these cops, did, even though they're such think, fucking assholes. Did you think? What'd you say? Did you think that we are actually supposed to feel empathy, or, or see? I, I okay, so I'm looking at it as you see these cops the whole time they're portrayed as pigs, and they're treating everyone like shit from the moment that you see them yeah. going into the bathroom, they're beating people till they're in a pile. And then you hear the racial um, jokes about, you can't even see them at night. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're nobody, they're nothing. Nobody's right. anything. But then yeah. as soon as the cop has a moment where he's scared or he's at risk, it's right away. Oh no, no, no. But look, like feel bad for me. Yeah. But yeah, see, I think it's also a moment of, like, insincere empathy, because I think it's meant to play, like, a little bit as if, like, you know, maybe you should maybe you should feel bad that they're going to die, but maybe you shouldn't feel too bad that they're going to die, because they're obviously completely out of their league in understanding the people they're supposed to be protecting. They're, they're completely out of their league in understanding like the social reasons why people would want to hurt them or kill them. And this right. is still happening today. We still have a police like squad, like across the country that just seems to think that, Whoa, we're, we're just a bunch of animals. Like in Louisville, you know, when that one police officer who shot Brianna Taylor was let go, he said, out a giant email to all his like cop buddies talking about how they have to keep the force and how all this shit is just like you know uh, the work of a corrupt society how all these people that are protesting 
you know, protesting, he put in like quotes and stuff as an as a snarky thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all just out there to cause havoc and like disrupt our American way of life, and that's bullshit on his okay. part. That only shows his own fascism and lack of care or concern or understanding of the reality around him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like and- this scene is yeah. Thank yeah. you for like making me expand on that a little bit. And even and even in in even if it's insincere sympathy that you're supposed to feel for him, it's like a statement on you were just talking shit the whole time, and the only time that now you viewed them as humans is right. to, to to appeal to their empathy. Oh, all of a sudden now right. they're not just objects that you can you know treat however you want. Now right. they're humans when you need something from them. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes. Disgusting. Yes. That guy got a huge human shield vibe from this. I was just kind of like, you know, at this point I'm, I, I was, yeah, you know what? It could be just a, a blind spot in my character, but I didn't have the empathy. I couldn't find it. I I was just kind of like, you know what? Like you've done this and you know what? You're doing this not only to this neighborhood, but more than likely you're also doing that to your wife and kids too. You know, and so, I mean, you know, I've known people who say, well, you know, my family would have been good except for my father or except for whoever. And I I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm kind of like, I'm with you, Lisa, like they're not human until you need something from them. And then they're human. All of a sudden now you're appealing to them. You know, and in a way, Fritz is kind of the same way, right? Like he, they're just kind of like these pieces that he can move around on his little fucked up chessboard for whatever little whim that he's got going on in his brain, which everybody knows that you shouldn't go out and try to save the world right after an orgasm. Everybody knows that, you know, don't do that. That's not stupid, you know? And I mean, it's, you know, he's constantly either taking or asking for the benefit of the doubt or, or, being upset when he's not given the benefit of the doubt by people all around him. And I think the cops are kind of an extension of that. I mean, it's funny to me how once I start thinking about it, I can see the similarities between the cops and Fritz, you know, and kind of seeing he falls more on that side of the fence, you know, but he sometimes knows just how to say things like Lisa was saying earlier. He knows how to say the right things to get what he wants at certain times, you know? And the only time he's really for is if somebody stands up to him or if there are higher boss level assholes in the room, you know, but otherwise he kind of gets, you know, what he wants most of the time. So. He sinks away from the riot that he causes and ends up hiding in a trash can where he's discovered by his old girlfriend, Winston Schwartz, who is a character earlier in the film, but the name is repurposed to another model. So I guess we can just treat them like the same character. I, I don't know. It's it's a little funny, like the way they worked that out. But I guess that was just a you know rush production issue. Issue, you know, it's one of the things that makes this <laughs> film individual. But I'm sorry, it's messy. I'm sorry. She's supposed to be the one of the characters from the beginning, right? Because that's how I took. I thought. Well, I thought. Yeah. I think the intention is that she is one of the characters from the beginning, but the character okay. model doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't right. make sense. Right. Like with that name yeah. <laughs> from the earlier one. Yeah. So I just chalk it up to an animation thing where they were trying to get things done so quickly that it, uh, it kind of got overlooked. Like, you know, Bakshi did like so much creative work on these things, trying to get them together. Like, you know, I, a lot of the things I forgive, like, in Bakshi's process, because he didn't really know any other way to work, because he'd been working for 10 years, like, doing the same process over and over again. Like, he'd been taught a process growing up in animation, you know, as a young man, and, like, he he did, you know, what he had learned to do. He'd been an art student, and he had worked at Terry Tunes for, you know, 10 years or so. And so, like, you know, the, the identity issues of a film, like, like his third one with Scatman Crullers, I think they're the, they're the, 
they're what happens when you spend so long working in this process where you are the creative force on whatever project you're going through and everyone is basically there to make sure that creative force comes through. You know, this was a thing that happened back in the Warner Brothers days. You know, it happened with the Fleshers, you know, Max and Dave Flasher, which uh, Bakshi says is a big influence, though he says he actually discovered the Fleischer brothers like years after he did these films. So these be like, yeah, he said like he learned a lot of their tricks the hard way, like instead of actually learning it, you know, from their films, which I found to be a really fascinating little piece of (laughs) animation history I came across. Um, yeah, well, I wonder, too, if, like, the fact that she's repurposed or remodeled or whatever that term was is, I wonder if there's something in there, too, though, about how she's changed and grown up. Oh. And yeah. and Fritz just hasn't. He's just the same old, again, I don't want to harp on this, but he's he's wearing a turtleneck and no pants. I don't understand that look. <laughs> I'm really sorry. That look, I can't get my head um, around it. Well, I think he actually wears like a like a blue like blazer tie and shirt, ah, okay, and without pants. Like he definitely does it without pants. You know, he's yeah. Porky Pig in that bitch. Um, yeah, he's Donald Duck in it. Okay. Yeah, that's Donald cool. Duck in it. That's yeah, that's the less offensive way to do it. But uh, yeah, like um, he he's still wearing his suit, and they don't ever like tell us how fucking long he's been hiding like out as like a fugitive from the law. We don't we don't understand how long he's just been hanging out in this trash can. But um, yeah, Winston convinces him to go to the uh, to go to the coast with her to go to San Francisco with her. She says there's a lot of nice people out there, which I can't help but detect a bit of irony in, like given the events coming up with, with them. <laughs> so they embark on this road trip out there. And a lot of this is a montage. Like we get so much of this through visual imagery. And I think this is probably the most Robert Crumb like part of the film, because it, it looks like it repurposes like actual stuff from his comics and weaves it into this montage of traveling. <laughs> they um they end up going to a Howard Johnson, which Fritz was not interested in doing because he has this idea that he wants to learn about the road life and the road culture of truckers and other people like that, which um somewhat echoes like the beat generation before him and actually right. grew up in the beat generation and he you could definitely say his youth is more aligned with the beat generation than it is the 60s so he's a person you know at 32 looking back on the 60s <laughs> with a little more cynicism than maybe some of his peers would have right um yeah, Fritz has this whole like monologue about how he wants to do how he wants to go to a truck stop and all this stuff. And they go to Howard Johnson's. He's not happy about this at all. And he he becomes very sour towards Winston and uh, he ends up passing out and she he when he wakes up, they say he's been passed out for like two days. <laughs> when yeah, when he wakes up he, he like has this little line it's like, Whoa, two days. Man, must have been all the booze and pot, like and sex. Like, wow, that was great. Like, he has no like under. Like, this is what kill, like makes me laugh. Like every time is that he has no realization that he created a race riot. He has no realization that his actions led to the government bombing Harlem and creating massive chaos for the black community. All that is on his mind is the fact that he got stoned and laid like crazy for a day and a half, which is you know, about the best estimate I can give for time in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, their car ends up breaking down in like the, what appears to be a desert of sorts. I guess they've, made it to the better part of California or at least near enough to where they were going that we're seeing desert landscapes, you know, very dry, arid landscapes. And Fritz gives her this whole mansplaining nonsense about how the, you know, the carburetors messed up and all this when really he doesn't know anything. This old, uh, old farmer in a pickup truck with a bunch of chickens comes up and they have like, they have very realistic chicken sounds like throughout this. I think maybe they actually got some type of real like chicken audio to do it with. And he comes out and asks him what's going on, you know, and 
you know, they tell him all the car is broken down. It's like, well, I think it's the carburetor, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's, he's so full of shit. The, the guy's just like, well, here's your problem, buddy. You're out of gas. You don't have any yeah. gas. You dumb college kids. You got to put gas in the tank. You can't just keep driving it on, on the same tank of gas. It runs out. And he's, like, angry, too. And they, like, thoroughly demonstrate what a dumb hick this guy is right before he helps him. Because he gets out, he's like, yeah, baby, I can help you. I'm real good at fixing things. You know, and <laughs> these chickens are just squawking. And he, like starts screaming at him to shut up until he loses his temper so much that he kills all his chickens, which are supposed to be like, I guess some type of livelihood for him. I don't know. I don't understand why he would even have them if they weren't some type of livelihood. And when they die, he like grins and like congratulates himself. Yep. I'm real good at fixing things. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like this guy has to tell them that they have to get gas. Like these people are dumb and do not deserve love or empathy. But this also like plays into how like the film ends. Like Fritz walks off after getting into a fight with Winston where she becomes very animalistic and angry at him. Like to the point where she's like, like slobbering in her anger. And this is like the, you could definitely say that her depiction as animalistic is misogynist, but I do think she's definitely <laughs> in the right for screaming yeah. at Fritz and like getting on to him and like getting him to understand that she has done so much for him. You know, when he is basically a fugitive that has no funds, that has no sense of money or like a place in the world anymore, he's given up on his education, which was maybe the one thing he really had in his life that we can take tangibly point out in the film because we have no writing awards from fritz we have no poems being said by fritz the closest thing to writing from fritz we have is the extended monologues that he plays out while he's fucking stoned you know he's not a writer he's a monologue it's in his head please go ahead lisa this was probably the first time in the movie that I felt like any female character had any autonomy over herself. Yeah. You know, up to now, yes. every female was just very yeah. stereotypically either over-sexualized or just like a and or a brainless object. Right. And this is like the first time that she's just standing up for herself and speaking her mind. I totally yeah. agree. I I was on her side. I was like she has created a bubble for this little bastard for days and days and days while yeah. he griped about going to Howard Johnson's. And I'm like, look, Howard Johnson's is like, I've been to a lot of Howard Johnson's in my life. That's pretty close to a truck stop. I mean, uh, you know, honestly. Yeah. and so I'm kind of like, I, I was on her side when he walked down the road and dropped that can and walked off. I was like, you know what? You deserve whatever happens to you from here on out because yeah. she's done nothing but take care of you. She's matured. She's gotten you on the road, gotten you out of the city where you are all worried about if you got an APB out on you or not. And you want to be the yeah. capital F fugitive without being the little F fugitive because little F fugitive gets the jail built on top of them, you know? And so I, yeah, I was totally on her side at this point. I was just like, yeah. I mean, when I saw the shot of her teeth and the saliva and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, bite him. Yes. Bite him. Like bite, yeah. do whatever you're supposed to do next, <laughs> you know, but at least if he's leaving, let him leave with a broken limb. We just got to get, you know, we got to hurt this guy. somehow. <laughs> Right. You know, and really like the farmer felt like a mirror of Fritz, you know, to me a little yeah. bit like a funhouse mirror version of Fritz, because he's like, he's fixing an immediate problem, but sacrificing himself to more long-term problems, which is constantly yeah. Fritz is constantly going for the instant gratification and not realizing how bad things are going to could get for him or are for him later on. So. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, when Fritz walks off into the desert, we get a hard cut of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, forget me, I'll, I'll already say that. 
we get a hard cut into the next scene of like the floor of a bathroom where the character we come to know as blue is sitting shooting up and we only see his feet we don't actually see him like shooting up which i think is one of the better artistic choices back she makes like throughout the film like because yeah. i think sometimes like he sensationalizes a little bit of the drugs just because like he probably has to deal with producers and things that are expecting him to sell this on that because i bet these producers treated this like an 80s sex sex comedy you know we're gonna we're, right. we're gonna sell it to the kids with all the gratuitous nudity and all of the language and all the racism it'll, you know it'll be real shocking and people will eat it up but you know Bakshi's an artist and he doesn't always like that shit you know <laughs> he's had to do a lot of compromising on a, almost all of his films because of these people that like treat his films like sex comedies when in fact he's trying to make social satire yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, Blue is like a, a neo-Nazi rabbit who is in a relationship with a woman named Harriet, though the term relationship is very loose because he seems to openly like hate her and, and does not seem to like her. When he shoots up, he like leaves the house when, when she's just like waiting on him to like like get done with what and she drive and he drives off and she runs after him with with his needle that he left behind. You know, because it's probably the only thing keeping her tied to him is that she she will make sure he has his drugs around, and you know, having her around makes sure that he has his drugs around in case he forgets. Because he's it looks like he's gonna just run the fuck off, like without her at all. Like like this seems like a pattern that's been established even before even before we learn, you know, of who these people are and their actions suggest that they have a history with each other. And that's the way they have to act between each other because that's how their relationship functions. And, uh, they end up, yeah, like they end up driving off into the desert and, um, <laughs> they, when they, when, when they pull up to wherever this little like gas station is, they go to, they run into Fritz and he's like hanging out in a trash can. <laughs> Blue has a very like funny affect, affectation to his voice. <laughs> and every time he laughs, he like never really laughs. Yeah, he looks down at Fritz and says, Hey there, you a uh, squatty old alley cat? Well, what are you doing in that uh, trash can? Ha ha. <laughs> It's funnier to me every time. The first time I didn't like even find humor in it, but like every, now every time I hear it, it's like really funny to me that this guy is like just so like completely like stripped of emotion, like in everything he does. Like his voice is almost robotic. And I think it's like an expression of like being under heroin that he like has no emotion. Like he's numbed on heroin to the point to where he like can't express real emotion but he's still trying to through like sarcasm yeah 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 um they they talk to fritz for a little bit and they decide that he's you know part of the revolution and all this shit and uh fritz is immediately trusting of them i guess because he sees something in them he can use so he hops on and he uh, says hello to harriet and she says hi and he uh, says you know, how are you? And she says, hi. And that's, a, that's a joke. I'd never really gotten until I listened to a different podcast that pointed it out about how, like she actually is high. Like when you yeah. ask her, how are you? Like, I just thought it was her repeating the joke for the longest time, you know, like her, <laughs> like, because she's dumb or something, you know, like women right. on a whole, you could definitely argue you are dumb in this movie. <laughs> but, that that makes, that that joke makes way more sense to me now. I've I've looked at it now. Right. They uh, yeah, blue like speeds off with them to this what looks like uh I, I you could say like a horror movie castle. You know, it's it's surrounded by a <laughs> graveyard and it's very ominous. Like the the lights in it are pure yellow, and we find out that they're nothing but candlelight. And he introduces Fritz to these 
reptilian Satanist. <laughs> and like he introduces Fritz as being, you know, another member of the revolution. His head's on a little off, but he has a good, you know, idea. Like, it, it, yeah, Fritz should not be trusting these people at all. <laughs> they go in and they start hatching this plan to, uh, <laughs> like, let a bomb off at the power station in town, you know, the, the, the central power station in town. And, uh, you know, Fritz like, is just kind of listening in on this. He's not really saying or doing much. He's just kind of messing around, hanging out on the bed. And Harriet, when she's listening in on this, she gets visibly upset by this. And it's like, I think it's a good thing for Bakshi as a storyteller to show her like, being upset without her actually saying like i'm upset like she as a character is experiencing anxiety and he's expressing this anxiety in a way that probably is more realistic in that she's trying to get blue away from these people because <laughs> she can she she has probably she feels like she has a little more control over blue and she doesn't want to see him get hurt or be involved in something that is ridiculously like terrible but he is he has like she has no authority over him really and the only authority she had over him was the fact that she had his drugs and that's the only reason he kept her around at all (laughs) and like he like ends up smacking her and they start abusing her with this chain and it leads to this extended rape scene and they don't this is one of the better artistic choices that the, of the film that, you know, even though you could say what happens next is at the expense of the female character, they don't express her, they don't show her rape scene. They cut it to this, they cut it to the silhouette of the moon and the gravestones outside in the graveyard, and you see it moving around in this very psychedelic fashion. Well, what happens is when those come into focus, we see a teardrop down from Harriet's face, and this is after she has been assaulted and hurt, and she is in the graveyard, like, away from the house crying because she's in a state of a post-traumatic distress. And uh, Fritz, being the asshole that he is, does not really comfort her or make her feel better or do anything and yeah like (laughs) he's so emotionally cut off i don't even think he would understand how to emotionally like comfort her i don't think he would understand how to be able to deal with such a thing because guess what he's never dealt with such a thing he's never dealt with the implications of his own actions as a borderline sexual predator if not full-on sexual predator and then seeing abuse that he recognizes as stray abuse and not knowing how to deal with it is like one of the biggest biggest things you can hold against his character you know the fact that he spent so much time not learning from his own actions and taking advantage of women and then when he like has the opportunity to comfort somebody or get them to a place of safety he actively doesn't and he actively tries to keep them in a sphere where they are in harm's way where they are in a place where they are not comfortable to express anything at all it's right yeah it's such a harsh scene but you could say it's a narrative um you could say it's a narrative advantage because it shows like how cut off fritz is as a person it's a fucking shame that harriet maybe had to take the toll to get fritz to really understand this but that's the type of person this is like he he's actively like gained his experiences through the pain and distress of others and that like yeah yeah, it's a thematic cue yeah please go on please i'm 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 sorry sorry. no i'm sorry please i i agree with you i mean i think in these people Fritz finally comes up against somebody who is idealistic and sadistic. And with him, he's like idealistic in kind of that dabbler sort of way. But yeah, like when, when the attack on Harriet happens, I mean, right before it happens, right? Like he's having a hard time wrapping his head around these Nazis. And so he like ends up masturbating on the bed under the cover. You know, he like kind yeah. of retreats. And then when the attack happens on her, he's kind of like, no, don't leave her alone. But it's 
again, it's kind of like the uprising in, in Harlem. It's like, he's like, we shall overcome. And then he slinks away. Um, and is it right that in the book, Crumb actually had Fritz join in on this attack? Is that right? I didn't realize that. I, I think um, I I think I read somewhere that in the book he joined in on the attack, but Bakshi actually softened his character a bit. I was like, Jesus, hmm. this is softening this guy. I mean, this yeah. is this is brutal. And you're right. Like when he sees her in the graveyard, he he doesn't know how to get around it. Because even as he's protesting as they continue on, he's still doing the bidding of these nazis even as he's just kind of tepidly talking back to them so um so i totally agree with you i we didn't really talk about it before but you know this transition with with harriet's teardrop and how it kind of forms into the scene reminds me of duke's death scene where as the blood pumps the pool balls go into the hole which i was just like i felt like that was such a good callback and such an unexpected callback. And it was so heartbreaking. And here, this is just as heartbreaking. It's just like this poor woman. I mean, like he, this Fritz, like, I don't know if he would have, he probably, they probably would have killed him or whatever. If he had really truly tried to intervene, but still, like I just I don't know. I this is where I kind of like was like, okay, this character, I'm well and truly done with you, sir. Like with yeah. I was like, that's it. Like I'm cutting you off. You have no more of my support or empathy, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um how how did this scene like the events leading up to this scene make you feel, Lisa, if you would like to share? It was it was uncomfortable. It was probably the most uncomfortable it it definitely was the most uncomfortable in the movie yeah because you also you have that anticipation and you know you're watching and you and you know what's going to happen um the only thing that helped is that um i thought for sure they were going to kill her as well Mm -hmm. yeah and when it opens in the graveyard you think oh yeah look look but then she's not dead. So you're, well, I was a little relieved, but then at yeah. the same time, it's like, mm, but is it really, I mean, yeah, is it better? Because right. then, like you said, she's there with Fritz and he's just no help, you know, no. she's still, now she's dealing with the aftermath and she's in shock and she's hurt and she's pretty much alone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I definitely, I definitely don't want to look down on people that may have trouble dealing with such uh, situations because essentially you can't really learn how to deal with such situations until you've been thrown into them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, given the character of who Fritz is, it makes us hard to empathize with him on that level because he's, he's been so like, sexually irresponsible you know he he hasn't been learning for probably years at that point you know it, it if you wanted to take the sequel as canon then you could say that he's a full-on you know sex, sex criminal you know without any scruples but the the sequel doesn't really have anything to do with bakshi or crumb it's just a money thing pretty much well, it's got good animation and music but the 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 things it's servicing in are such horse shit and they they put this movie into a bad light like well, <laughs> i cannot I, go I, ahead I, please i think the thing about fritz here though is that even if he doesn't intervene which i think he should have more forcefully yeah. but even if he doesn't intervene then the bare minimum he has to do is stay with her and not leave with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know totally. what I mean? Like that's it. If he had right. just stayed with her there and that had been the end of the movie, I would have been okay with that because I would have felt like this, this cat learned something. Progress. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
But then as you go on, it's like not only is his progress undermined as a character, but Harriet's is somewhat undermined as a character at the end. And it's like, well, shit, like, what are we supposed to maybe we're not supposed to hang on to anything. Maybe that's the point. But yeah, at the same time, you're just kind of like, give me something to respect you for it. <laughs> just give me something. Yeah. Give me the bare minimum. Just stay with Harriet and comfort her and make sure right. that she gets somewhere okay rather than yeah. going with a Nazi. And and I think that that goes back to his character because when before the attack, you can see that he's, you know, even if it's half-assed, he's trying to intervene. He knows that it's wrong. Right. But then afterwards, it's like she's she's back to just being an object and right. and it's like mm, you know i know that what happened was wrong but it's almost like if he can um he he doesn't understand that she also has feelings right that if he right. if he wants to help he can still help by acknowledging and you know just letting her know that maybe he can be there for her but instead mm-hmm. it's like mm, well whatever you know what yeah. you're going to do yeah, let's just go with them. Let's just go. You know, they're leaving. It's like, no, dude, you should be stay. Oh, man, it drives me right. nuts. So. I, I think he even tells her not to cry at one point, and that's like yes. such a severe fucking thing to say yeah. to someone. Like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's so, it is frustrating, but I think it is narratively cohesive given what's coming before, coming before. And like you, like you said, Lisa, you know, it's almost like you can see it happening, you know, like all the signs are around and that's probably a pretty intentional artistic choice from Bashy to be like, Hey, look, these, these things are obviously in the air, you know, it's, it was probably inevitable and, you know, um, yeah, like Fritz ends up going with them to like blow up the, the blow up the power plant, and the whole time he's going with them, he's just talking to himself and like rationalizing these things that have happened. And I think he is in some state of shock to where like maybe he's su- suggestible in this state of shock, you know, because of who he is. And he like goes all the way to the top of the power plant and plants the bomb before he finally decides, Hey, I'm not doing this. You know, fuck these, right. these people. They don't believe in love. This is where that Beals quote comes in, which many people um, think is disingenuous. And I've always thought it was a little too on the nose. But I do, I do think, like, <laughs> you know, having him come to this realization at this moment, you know, <laughs> when he's, like, literally on the verge of dying. If that had been the original ending like it was intended, that would have been a theatrically like satisfying ending. And actually right. wanted him to die because guess what? You know, even if there's a little bit of empathy you could you could parse out from this character, essentially he's just as shitty as the other people that he's been like criticizing this whole time. <laughs> he deserves some comeuppance, like he doesn't he hasn't right. earned any form of life whatsoever <laughs> in his own universe. Yeah. Um but then that leads us into the actual ending, which he had to tack on there to satisfy his producers and distributors, which is um a like it's an overview of what I think is Las Vegas, um, at least early Las Vegas, and uh, it may it actually may be California. I, I may Hollywood. be wrong. It is Hollywood? Yeah, oh, they, it show is the, Hollywood. they show the Hollywood sign just for just a split second oh, up there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Very I'm tired, wrong. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Yeah, like in Hollywood, and it, he's in a he's set up in a hospital, and we see these like the three cats from the three dogs and cats from earlier come in, and they they ask to see Fritz. Oh, sorry, girls, you can't see him. This this pig cop says, which I think it's very funny. They don't have any other animal whatsoever as a cop throughout the film. You always see them <laughs> as pigs, <laughs> and um. Uh, yeah, this nun walks in and like doesn't even ask permission, but he just lets her go in because because she's a nun, and he like 
<laughs> yeah, like they follow in, they, they go and get none costumes and follow in behind her. <laughs> and like the, the cops just like, Oh, poor guy. He must've bit the dust. <laughs> why, why does he think he's a poor guy? He, he tried to blow up the entire power plant and is in the hospital because he's you know, injured from the bomb. Um, Anyways, like they go in there and like they reveal themselves as Harriet and the three girls from earlier. And Fritz like starts this little monologue again about how he's seen all these places and done all this shit, which he's never done. He's never done any of that shit. <laughs> and he like coaxes them into like another like small orgy on the bed while the cop is outside, you know, like shedding this tear for, for him. And, uh, it plays with sentimentality that brushes up against the character actions that we've been going through. And like, I've never liked this thing, but Chuck, you, you, you had a way of reading this that made sense to me the last time we talked. Yeah. I mean, I felt like this was for me, kind of the nail in the coffin of the idea that, Bakshi was kind of talking about how the hippie movement can be co-opted. And so you have the cops bashing the hippies, but by the end of the movie, you have a cop shedding a tear over Fritz, the hippie. And I feel like it's, yeah. you know, when you see something like um, the the hippie movement and how it did get kind of co-opted in the seventies for you know, by the time you're at the end of the seventies, you're seeing Coca-Cola commercials that say, I like to teach the world to sing. And it's all these kids dressed up as kind of like hippies and all totally. Yeah. And so it's, you know, we see that happen with, with movements over and over and over again. And it seems like that's what he's saying with the ending. And, you know, I agree with you. I mean, just dramatically him dying with the bomb exploding is the ending like this is one of those movies that i'll just say that's the ending and i'll just turn it off when that happens because damn straight in my brain that's what happens to fritz because he's a real dangerous dipshit and but you know we do have this ending in hollywood right so uh you know hollywood it's i mean hey look i love movies as much as the next person this is it's a fake place right like they they deal in dreams that's what they deal in so it's yeah you know he's out there and now he's got this he doesn't know yet that he has this new persona but it's like all of them are putting on these new personas harriet's going in even though she's wearing the satanist robe the cop just reads it as a nun and then the other three go in and they just kind of read it that way so um yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of him, you know, commenting on that, the co-opting of the movement, especially from people who, you know, Fritz wasn't really part of any real movement. He was just kind of one no. of those people who bounces through life and somehow always lands on his feet, you know. Well, that's because he's a cat. Well, I know. That's <laughs> yeah. part of it, but uh, <laughs> I know some. I know some bipeds that do pretty well in that respect too. You know. Like, yeah, I know some bipeds that do too well in that respect yeah. too. <laughs> um. Yeah. How How did you feel about the ending, Lisa? If he had died, um, in the explosion, I think that in one sense that would have been satisfying. You know, like a fitting ending. Yeah. Sure. But I actually like the actual ending better. Um, And the reason is because leading up to him placing the can for the explosion, he has this moment where he's, he's kind of rethinking, you know, like like second guessing his values. And you think, Oh my God, you know, the whole, the whole thing about a movie is that you watch a movie expecting your character to have some change, to have some growth, Right. not be the same person from the beginning to the end. And so you keep waiting for that moment and you think, well, there it is, it's coming. And then it doesn't, he places the can, he explodes and you think, okay, but well, this has got to be it. I mean, look, look at what he's just been through. And then yeah. the females come into the, the hospital room <laughs> and he starts spouting his speech all over again. That started the whole thing. Right. And you're like, well, this motherfucker doesn't change, you know, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and you just like, 
well, damn. I mean, yeah. you know, and so it keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, and in a way, like, I guess that I, I like that point because then it's kind of like thinking about it that way would make me think about myself then and think, okay, well, wait a minute. Like, where should I be changing my mind about something? And I'm just not for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's an element of self-examination that I hadn't factored in before. That's a great point. Oh, now now I think I'm with you, Lisa. I think I like the I think I like the Hollywood ending now. Oh. Wow. Um, you could also like put that on view to the women too, because they they are loving of Fritz, even though he doesn't seem to have done one fucking thing for their lives that has ever mattered whatsoever. And, you know, have they changed at all? Have they understood that Fritz has taken advantage of them? Have they understood that he caused a fucking massive riot that basically, like, uh, uh, be- became another history? Like, if you want to take it, at, like, in the movie as United States history, that's in a long line of bombings by the American military of black communities. Like, right, he right. started all that. Like, they, yeah. they haven't reckoned with anything he's fucking done, and they're just as stupid and self-centered as he is. Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. if it makes me like it more, but I guess, like, on a... Th- I guess you can deal with it on a thematic level, you know, and apply the rest of the themes, the the film's themes to it. Well, I think for me though, too, I think this movie, um, it heavily depends on what my attitude is going into it. You know what I mean? Like, and there are movies, there are certain movies that when I watch them, I kind of feel like, okay, I know I have to be in this particular mindset to watch this particular movie or this particular director or whatever. Then there's some movies like this where it's kind of like, okay, what I get out of this movie on this viewing is going to heavily depend on what I'm carrying with me when I hit start. And I think with this movie, my, I guess thinking about it just right now. So this is a little bit of a, you know, a hot take, but I feel like, my favorite ending is going to go back and forth depending on what kind of mood I'm in when I watch the film from here on out, assuming that I've ever seen, I ever seen it. I've ever seen it again because I've seen it like, you know, five or six times in the last few months. So yeah, I think you've seen it enough. I've probably <laughs> seen it enough. I, I got a couple of things I got to do, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Wow. That's interesting, man. You guys, I, you, I thought you, <laughs> thought you guys were gonna just let me get out of here without thinking and (laughs) oh man yeah i'm i'm really glad you joined us this time around lisa because even though i thought our last recording was good we definitely had a ton of technical problems and it's also good to have a female perspective here to kind of balance things out between the two of us you know like (laughs) there are things we can't consider you know because of our perspective in in all of this you know uh i really enjoy your show sass and sips um yeah this was so much fun and i do i like you guys shows as well so Thank you. I'm yeah, it was yeah. it was great having you here this time. It was, I mean, like we did have a good conversation last time, but when he, when Robbie told me, he's like, well, you know, we got to do it again. And we got Lisa from Sass and Sips. I was like, oh, I started listening to your show. I was like, cool, let's do that. You know, so <laughs> and, awesome. And this was fun also because I, I'm a TV person. I love television. I love sitcoms. Uh-huh. I don't see a lot of movies. So this was fun to kind of take a break from the TV world and actually make a concerted effort to watch a movie and enjoy it. And it's not something that I do a lot. And so it's like, oh, cool. You know? Yeah. (laughs) This was fun. Cool. Did you feel like this movie played like a form of extended vignettes? Like they were like small shorts strung together, you know, like you could take each like little part and make Uh a small like cartoon short out of it. Um, I feel as though it played like a cartoon movie in the sense that, yes, I agree with you, but I feel like a lot of cartoon movies have that, yeah, have that that um that aspect to them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I definitely think, like, Bakshi has never really escaped a lot of his animators, like, impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, the, the third film, the black exploitation satire he did, you know, I think that's his best film, but I also think it's representative of all his flaws, just the way every film he has is, like, um, you know, and, like, these the things that are progressive about his films are also, like, trapped in an animation process and like sense of animation that he had to break away from because there wasn't anything else to learn from at the time. You know, he was like such a pioneer in ways that we can't even appreciate today. You know, his stuff just looks like real grimy, you know, sex comedy bullshit. But at the same time, there's this whole social layer beyond that, that we can't perceive, you know, and like the, the use of New York as a romantic backdrop to these like working class clubs, like, <laughs> you know, just messing around. I think that has a lot of thematic like value in the history of not only animation, but in American history. When we look at film, when we look at the things of Martin Scorsese and we look at the things happening around these films, um, you know, the black exploitation satire is a part of taxi driver because the riots happening in the theaters around that film are supposedly captured in that film and these films have a larger thematic context you know you can definitely hold some of its like content against it and say that it doesn't satisfy isn't satisfying in a lot of ways but i also think there's such raw like expressions of this type of adult animation that we would come to refine more often through television than through film adult animation seems to thrive on television in a way it does not on film you know when we look at things like the simpsons family guy um the the black exploitation satire i definitely think is an influence on the boondocks too It, it traffics in a school of like harsh reality for black people that even though, you know, Bakshi is a white man and it creates like an odd complex because of it, that tone influenced how people, how black culture like worked. Like that film became a massive thing in hip hop culture. (laughs) And uh, whenever Bakshi has interviews, he talks about how like people into hip hop and, you know, the rap culture are, really into that film (laughs) so i I think there's at least a a level of reality justifying these films on (laughs) on a regular basis that we can't we can't deny as art even 50 years later you know you could definitely say that the the threat that our military could bomb us you know for whatever reason if they they felt there was enough (laughs) you know if they justified a reason to they they will at the last year or so we saw like all the increases in police violence and i think when you put those films in this context and you think about like the anger at police in those films and like the call outs of their disingenuous like nature towards the people they serve it's it's still powerful you know um i mean that's my takeaway is there anything else you'd like to add lisa no <laughs> um do, do you have anything else to say before we head out chuck no no just i'm happy to have met you lisa Same. kind of even though you can't Same. see me <laughs> but uh yeah and i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun yeah. and you guys yeah. you both have made me think about this movie in a totally different way so i appreciate that yeah, I I appreciate you coming on so much, Chuck. I mean, you you've become a you know good friend to me here the past few months. It's been nice having you around to do things with. Um, yeah, whenever your heavy traffic episode comes out, I look forward to that. Um, I may put off releasing this for just another month or two so we can make it slightly closer to when your uh, <laughs> heavy traffic I, episode comes I would, out. I would not hold off if I were you. The, okay. The vault okay. Is, is getting deeper and deeper. So I don't, okay. I don't know. I don't know when okay. I'm going to, when we're going to get to it. It might not be next year. It yeah. might be until next year sometime. So, but yeah, That's thanks a lot. Ending. It was a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on Conversations with Robbie Sherman. I hope to see, I hope to do this again sometime with you. Yes, that was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.